0: Hello everyone, this is Fei Li from Beijing, China, and welcome to this episode of The Missing Piece. The United Kingdom, France, and Germany have condemned Iran's decision to produce uranium metal, which they said was in the breach of commitments made by Iran to the international community. Meanwhile, the United Nations nuclear watchdog said earlier this week that Iran had followed through on its plan to make uranium metal after Tehran had alarmed Western nations with its intent to produce the material with which the core of nuclear weapons can be made. Now here are the questions, what can be the reaction from the U.S. How about the relations between China and Iran in terms of building nuclear development in the coming years? Now join me now is our old friend Dr. Marcus de Freitas. Dr. Marcus is a senior fellow at the Policy Center for the New South, previously known as OCP Policy Center, focusing on international law, international relations, and Brazil is currently a visiting professor of International Law and International Relations at China Foreign Affairs University. Dr. Marcus, welcome back to my show.
1: Thank you very much, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and to the listeners.
0: Well, Dr. Marcus, now let's get started. And as I mentioned in the intro, now just look at the country I run, is already sensitive enough to mention the names, not only to the audience in China but also to the listeners and the viewers in the Western world. So Dr. Marcus we realized that Joe Biden just became the president about two months ago uh, for the United States of America but the negotiation or the Iran deal made by President Obama when he was the president but was a, a repealed by President Trump. So this back-and-forth the ping-pong game absolutely added a tremendous pressure to the current administration. So I want to ask you, Dr. Marx, from your perspective, what is the relationship that we are expecting between Iran and U.S. at this moment?
1: Well, I think that um, you could say and one could realize that there was a difference between what President Obama uh, foresaw for the relationship between the United States and Iran and what actually happened with donald trump donald trump during the election was always saying that it was a bad deal and the united states walked out of the of the deal Uh, one of the reasons for that is that during the trump years what you saw is that the united states adopted a very isolationist position but i do think that president biden according to what he has announced and what he has said uh, he intends to take a more multilateral approach and somehow reverse some of the policies that were implemented by president trump of course when he reverses these policies he needs to take into consideration the fact that he cannot be perceived as a weak president and and in order not to be perceived as a weak president uh sometimes we may see that he will one way or the other uh, endorse the policies that were implemented before. So in a way, we might see that uh, the content may remain a little similar to what we had under President Trump, but particularly if Iran uh, does things that the international community, as you mentioned, uh, thinks that is a you know Iran breaking you know the agreements and the commitments that they, ha- they have made. If that happens, then President Biden will be forced somehow to remain the course of what President Trump was doing, but of course he's going to change the name or, you know, the characterization of the policy uh, to show that it's his policy and not the one of his predecessor. But on the other hand, if there is, you know, a change in in the procedure of Iran relating to to the issues and to the concerns that the international community has in relation to it. I think that, you know, President Biden could, could in a way reflect a little of what President Obama's policies were and perhaps may, you know, change a little on the content. But this style, so what we see here is that the content will be, you know, similar, but the style will be different. And we hope that that style um, that is different from the previous administration, somehow will also influence the content of the uh, the relationship depending on uh, the steps and the movements made by Iran.
0: Well, Dr. Marcus, if I'm not mistaken, one thing that based on the experts, when President Trump was in, uh, in the White House under his administration, a lot more um, uh, 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 experts criticized President Trump that for lacking of knowledge understanding this Iran deal. So in other words President Trump he reversed the deal for President Obama only because out of um, I don't want to say use the word personal but From his business or from his perspective That was such a betrayal to the country only because President Trump didn't understand the full package within the deal uh, with Iran but meanwhile right now People are looking at this country people are looking at the administrations as a matter of fact as soon as the um, Trump administration was over Iran and based on their official report placed a sanctions on multiple significant figures under Trump administration. Now. Either that's out of uh, a personal spitefulness or that is something that intentionally has been planned for a long time by the uh, Iranian government. But overall, Dr. Marcus, how would you evaluate to say... The, the, the relationship between the country uh, and between U.S. and Iran at this moment, do you think, is it possible that we can go back to the negotiating table or is it possible that we, we need to treat Iran as someone who's uh, a very careful or very sensitive at this mo- moment? Is it like a ticking bomb? Can, can we even say that?
1: It, it is a complicated issue because the... You have to take into consideration the other actors in the region, and how they influence the balance. Now, President Trump had a close relationship, uh, close relationship with you know uh, the Prime Minister of Israel, which is an important player also in the region and in this agreement. And if you recall, Benjamin Netanyahu really opposed the agreement uh, with Iran, saying that they would never comply with the regulations. Uh, of the agreement, so you have that in uh, that uh, aspect important to be considered, because you know Netanyahu and Trump were close, and uh, they followed there a strategy that would somehow address the issues and the concerns that Israel had. So that's an aspect that is important to emphasize too, because there was a closer proximity between you know the U.S. and Israel, particularly regarding the policies. What we did observe, though, that was interesting about the Obama period, is that the the Middle East was an important part of the American foreign policy, but was not as relevant as before. And one of the reasons is because the United States, in the process, uh, developed the shale oil industry, and with the ascension of the shale oil industry in the United States, when... Uh, And that you know, and this really made the United States energy independent. The whole relationship with the Middle East somehow changed, and the approach that the United States had in relation to the Middle East was much different from uh, from what people had before. Mm. So many leaders, many leaders, local leaders, uh, were not very pleased with. The, you know uh, the steps that president barack obama had uh, taken in relation to to what was going on in the middle east now mm-hmm. with the po- with trump when trump takes in when trump steps in he follows a different dynamic and that's why he got closer to saudi arabia he got close to israel so he goes back into the traditional uh, path of american foreign policy in the region and uh even more present because also remember uh trump was using many of these uh situations to uh, create a balance uh against china in its process of advancing into the region so it's interesting when you look into the geopolitical game and you look into the middle east and you realize that uh you know the the Play, uh, the, the pieces in the chessboard were being moved, not only addressing the local problems that we had uh, in relation to Iran, but also the global global context of you know uh, the race between China and the United States for global leadership. Mm. So, uh, so Trump uh, did that, and of course, many of the policies, as you mentioned, that Barack Obama had implemented were, you know, quickly reversed by Donald Trump, but did not think that he was alone. One of the first things that Joe Biden has done as president of the United States is to reverse many of the Trump policies. So, uh, and that's the problem that we have seen now, and that's the challenge that the United States uh, faces in the future, right? You know, if you have one president uh, stepping in and, you know, canceling Uh, what you had before, you know, you might start running into a situation where, you know, democracy really becomes a major uh, threat to the stability of the country. And that's something to be concerned about.
0: Mm. Well, Dr. Marcus, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I do want to ask the question is, when President left the uh, White House, Another country that was also hanging on the thread was the country called North Korea. And we know that under the same condition, North Korea also continues to develop the nuclear weapons, which could terrify the whole world and not just for the US. But meanwhile, Iran, we just mentioned, also are in the process or has already broken the promise or broken the deal that with international community in terms of Uh, I'm building this uh, um, nuclear development. So on this right now, for this moment, Joe Biden and he picked the secretary, Tony Blinken's. But at this moment, and if you follow the news or follow the speech closely, Dr. Marcus, I'm sure you did. Joe Biden made clear he said America is back. And I believe he met, he emphasized that three times during his foreign policy speech. He said over and over again that America is back. So what do you think that kind of message uh, uh, trying to uh, to be interpreted for the country such as Iran or North Korea, what does that even mean when Joe Biden stood in front of the entire nation or to the world to say America is back? Is he trying to insinuate that to say, hey, listen, this is a real deal. Or, hey, listen, you think we're fooling around? Oh, no, not right now. America is back on the table. So, Dr. Marcus, what do you think that the message Joe Biden is trying to send to the world?
1: Uh, I think that the greatest challenge uh, that Biden has right now is to somehow set up a message that makes him you know uh, it makes him different, very different from from Trump because according to the decision of the Senate uh, that was taken yesterday, uh, Donald Trump can run for re-election in 2024. So uh, Joe Biden has the mission right now if he wants to you know either you know get reelected, or yet his vice president or any Democrat uh, party member elected to the presidency in 2024. He has to prove that the uh, Trump policies were, uh, you know, a failure and they didn't work. And he has to achieve results uh, much quicker and much more effectively. So that's the element that you need to take into consideration when you're looking into the political discourse that is being adopted by President Biden, so that he can distinguish himself from Trump. Now, what is the challenge that we see, and that is uh, the complicated matter here, is that uh, there was certainly a sense that the United States had disengaged from the world under President Trump, because his policy was
0: America first, Mm. and he
1: used, he kept saying to people that he was president, and he was elected president of the United States, and not president of the world, right? That's right. So we do observe that that is a sense, and that happens in the United States from time to time, right? You know, uh, the U.S. has this ideal of engaging in the world, but from time to time, they feel like they need to return to the womb, right? And take care of their local, their domestic issues as a priority. Uh, so when President Biden goes and says that America is back, it's because there was a sense in the international community under President Trump that the engagement of the United States was not the same as it was before. So we saw, we did see that the United States, pulled out of some agreements, uh, and by pulling out of these agreements, um, there was a feeling that uh, the U.S. was not willing to lead something that they did before in the past, like, you know, Mm. the Paris Agreement on climate, and you see the Iran deal, and then you have, you know, uh, the TPP. Uh, So you saw that there were many circumstances and many issues where the united states withdrew and that's why people felt that the united states had you know uh retrieved and they had you know um stepped out of the game so when biden comes in he has to say this you know america's back and you know i am different from my predecessor right by the way american people you need to understand that i'm so different and i hope that this will bring us positive results so that in 2024 you know mario opponent. Former President Trump uh, doesn't have the same doesn't have the capability to get elected again.
0: Right. Well, Dr. Marcus, again, you just mentioned that of course everyone followed the news that the second trial of um, uh, impeachment for um, uh, President Trump was completely off the table. So in other words, right now he's eligible to run for the president in the year of 2024. Now, just based on reading the title or just based on saying the words, I think that could really terrify the Democrats a lot in the United States. You know, if you thought about saying uh, when President Trump was in the White House, the Democrats didn't really sleep very well. Well, I believe these days that probably they're gonna um, take more pills in order to uh, get some good night's sleep. But anyway, so let's talk about the the relationship between China and Iran, and we know that one of the uh, things or one of the uh, sensitivity to the United States is China has been continuing a uh, continuing balance the positive or healthful relationship with the countries in the Middle East, like for example Pakistan, and uh, we talk about. You know, Iran, and with, there are so many more. So Dr. Marcus, from your perspective, how would you describe the relationship between China and Iran? Of course, if I put these two countries together, it can even create, a, uh, create bigger uh, effects or even wider uh, uh, impact to the country, to United States. So how would you describe the partnership between China and Iran at this moment?
1: Uh, you know, uh, China and Iran have had a long, you know, historical relationship, right? You know, the Persian Empire and the Chinese Empire and all that. And uh, and considering the situation of Iran for the last, you know, forty years and the sanctions of the United States and all that, you do realize that China has been an essential uh, player for, you know, the survival. Of Iran in the in very difficult moments and in very difficult times, so there is uh, certainly, you know, the fact that you see agreements going on uh, and agreements being signed and commitments of China to, you know, uh, help rebuild the infrastructure of Iran and so many other projects uh, that you see being implemented and, uh, and the level and the levels of investment of Chinese investment in Iran growing. You do see that the relationship is important. Uh, for both countries, you know, you have to remember that Iran is a major oil producer. Mm. China is uh, an oil-dependent country, right? And uh, China has been oil-dependent, I think, since 1994. Uh, so you do see that there, there is a win-win possibility in the relationship. Now, uh, and also it's important for China to build pipelines, Iran- is a country that is located has an important geographic location you see you have uh iran has access to the indian ocean so you do see that uh uh, iran historically is you know a very important player in the region of course there are the religious element and the religious uh, issues that affect you know uh iran in the region and the way it's perceived by its religious opponents but China in that sense doesn't have to deal with it now what is the problem here and what is the challenge is that one needs to understand and i think that's i have been saying that to to many and i have written about it i think that sanctions work up to a certain point and if the if you wanted to change you know if you want a regime change or anything like that uh, if the sanctions have not worked in two or three years, it's not the extension of sanctions or, you know, getting them more, you know, incla- incrementing them, making them you know more uh, substantial that is going to change anything, you know. There are failed cases, you know, looking to Cuba, for instance, you know, has been under sanctions for more than, more than half a century, and, you know, it hasn't really changed the problem. I think that uh, and I hope that when President Joe Biden says that America is back, he uh, really, really means that America is back with new solutions mm. and new ideas. Okay. And not is coming back with the same old, same old, okay, we're going to do this. And, you know, in a sense, and uh, I think that the approach that President Trump used and adopted in relation to North Korea. Uh, you know, it may not have worked uh, as beautifully as people were expecting or as beautifully as President Trump was expecting it to happen. But certainly, you know, it has uh, reduced the concerns that of the Japanese in relation to nuclear tests uh, of North Korea. So I think that uh, in that sense, I think that the statement made by Albert Einstein many years ago that it's you know, madness if you expect different results by uh, doing the same things. I think that's an important element here to consider. And if President Biden is saying America is back, I hope it's back, but with new ideas. Mm. And in that sense, uh, I, I think that China is an essential player for Iran. Uh, we do see that the relationship is incremented. And you know if the U.S. doesn't change its approach... It's not Iran that is going to be losing in the long run. It's the US relevance in the region that is going to be diminished. And considering that China is playing an even greater role and a more important role, you know, the United States should watch out on the policies that it plans to implement in the you know regarding Iran.
0: Well, Doctor Marcus, I got two more questions before letting you go. Now the next question is Regarding we we're talking about Iran or we we're talking about North Korea. Now under this globalization, again, I'm 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 saying the word and I used that word before, but right now we are up in this era 2021. A lot more countries are facing or have already had power or leadership transition like for example for germany angela merkel stepped down and uh for the u.s joe biden took over and for other countries so many more now at this moment dr marcus i want to ask you do you think under the circumstances or under the current globalization the countries are more afraid of being isolated from the world or the countries are more intimidated by nuclear weapons development. Maybe this is not really a good uh, 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 choices, but what but what is your opinion? Do you think there are a lot more countries to be afraid being isolated by the international community or people are, uh, or the countries are still much more terrified by countries that, who are trying to secretively develop nuclear weapons?
1: We know that nuclear weapons—they um, basically destabilize the whole game of international relations, right? Because if you're dealing with a country that has such a destructive power, uh, there there is really no balance in the relationship, right? You know, if you if you have a gun and your you know your enemy has a cannonball, you you are at a disadvantage. Right, and there, so what we say is that, in that sense, uh, the whole idea of a balance of power in the in the system with nuclear power it go you know with nuclear weapons it goes away. Power oh, of, of nuclear weapons is that you may have them, but. You may not be able to use them mm. right there was only one case in history which was the united states that used nuclear weapons right ever since that nobody has done because you know if you use nuclear weapons you need to be so destructive uh that any other uh country that has nuclear weapons uh does not have the capability to attack you right mm. um, so in that's and that's what we call the mutually assured destruction right and that's right when you know that you're the other side can destroy you you know you don't do that you move in that sense so i think that's the problem of more people having nuclear weapons and that's the challenge is that we do not know whether the leadership that is going to be handling uh nuclear weapons will have uh you know a an understanding or will be uh tolerant or will have the capability to manage the power and the strength that they have and i think this is the greatest challenge we have how do we secure that even if countries now and that is a local problem if your country has nuclear weapons are the people at the top fully capable to understanding the enormous destruction power that they have that can be used externally, but will have an impact internally because you're not going to to be doing that alone. You know, you're going to have, uh, you're going to suffer the consequences from using it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a concern that people have. But uh, I think that the greatest challenge that we see to globalization nowadays Is that because of COVID, uh, you know, and the China bashing uh, that has been going around? You do see some countries trying to uh, not to withdraw but to retrieve a little from the international system, so that they start producing their own things. You know, many countries have been discussing and say that they have grown too dependent on China. Mm. Now. Uh, and, and I keep telling them, you know, it is true, the whole world uh, has become China dependent, but it's not the Chinese fault. It's the fault of the countries that were not doing their homework to right. be competitive. Right. So, and I think it's impossible now. I think, you know, uh, the genie is out of the bottle in that sense because uh, the, the, the problem, or not, not the problem, but the challenge that you have is that for you, uh, for any country, to try to recover and get to the same circumstances, they would have to develop the same kind of logistics, investment, and you know, and, and not only the logistics and investment, but also the you know the academic capability and the uh, the large workforce and the labor, and you know even the consumer market that China has. So it becomes almost an impossible task or any country to try to reverse it. Mm. So I think that the issue of globalization uh, is facing this challenge, this temporary challenge because of COVID and the perception that the world was too dependent on China. But again, this is something that will go away once countries realize that, you know, because they did not do their homework, China was able to successfully change, uh, you know, the whole game plan.
0: Absolutely. Well, Dr. Marcus is a senior fellow on international law and international relations, and also he's currently a visiting professor of international law and international relations at China Foreign Affairs University in Beijing, China. Dr. Marcus, thank you so much for being on my show, and we always enjoy your insightfulness and expertise on international relations.
1: No, I truly appreciate your your kindness, and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, address many of these issues that I think are extremely relevant for the world today.